we have an opportunity to reach people and connect with people in an organic way like never before. And so start making those connections and start taking advantage of Facebook organically and reaching out to people using Facebook Messenger, having conversations with people, validating that webinar, validating your sales calls. And then once you have those pieces done, once you have those pieces in place, then go to paid advertising. Now you know that you've validated that growth engine, you've validated those pieces, then you can go to paid ads. And I think that's that's the step that a lot of people miss, right? I have a lot of sales calls where people hop on the phone and they they just want paid paid ads to magically scale their business. And I always say like, paid ads don't scale your business. Paid ads leverage the scale you've already designed in your business. This is season one, episode number four of the Double Your Freelancing Podcast. This first season is all about lead generation. How do you get leads? How do you get clients? How do you get high quality clients, most importantly, uh, from the from the internet or from offline channels too? And in this episode, I met with Kev K of Growthbox and of Zero Growth Engine. So honestly, this interview blew my mind. Kev has probably one of the most dialed in methods of getting in front of cold traffic and getting them, in this case, onto a webinar and ultimately getting the people who attend the webinar to reach out to book a free consultation, which turns into a uh, a client engagement with him systematically where he plugs in money and gets more money out. We went in depth into exactly what he does to get people to register how he sets up his ads, how he structures his webinars and everything else. And if you've never considered webinars as a way of generating consultations and getting clients, then stop what you're doing and listen to this episode. It is well worth it. Before the interview, I want to thank FreshBooks. FreshBooks, without them sponsoring this ep- this season, I should say, and this episode, this would not have been possible. We wouldn't have not... We've open, we've basically pulled out all the stops and we've made it so we're not just delivering to you an amazing interview or an amazing series of interviews, but we've put a lot of focus into the design of the season's uh, web pages and also the the, the notes that we've put together, the in-depth notes and, and takeaways that we've put together for each and every episode and the development of the ebook. And without FreshBooks, that would not have been possible. And FreshBooks makes incredible, easy to use software that you can use to drive most of the functionality, most of the administrative functionality of your consulting business. Invoicing, time tracking, expense reporting, uh, financial reporting, syncing it up in a format that jives with your accountant. Don't be like I was. Don't get to the end of the financial year and basically be like, you know, having to like pull teeth with your accountant to get basically everything that you need to file your taxes. With FreshBooks, you can proactively manage all your income and your expenses, categorize them, uh, get income through their invoicing functionality. Uh, your invoices can be paid online through a credit card. I mean, it's it's if, if you've done what I used to do, which was literally Word docs that became PDFs that are emailed over to a client and then a check is sent in the mail. It's 2018, you know, stop what you're doing and use uh, use FreshBooks. Go over to freshbooks.com slash double. 
can get a free 30-day unrestricted trial that uh, doesn't require a credit card or any weird stuff to get set up. It'll take you just a few minutes to get set up, and you could be starting the new year off with a much better process and system for staying on top of your consulting business. Before you get to the episode, though, if you haven't done this yet, I know I probably sound like a broken record in, in saying this, but I know a lot of you listen while at the gym or on walks or something like that, and you're not exactly always in a, I'm going to open up a web browser mood, but I would highly encourage you to do that if you're listening while mobile and open up doubleyourfreelancing.com slash season one, type in your email address, we'll send you a PDF ebook that includes everything from the season. There's a lot of really good stuff being shared this season throughout all of these interviews. And we've put a lot of uh, time into making sure that this this book gives you pretty much everything that you need uh, from these interviews and in written form so you can actually act on what you've learned and do something with it, which is the goal. All right, guys, I want to introduce you to Kev K of growthbox.com. Kev, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, paid acquisition and specifically how to use paid ads to get uh, new clients. But um, before we get too deep down the rabbit hole, uh, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Thanks, Brendan. Uh, happy to be here. Um, so, Kev K, I'm up in Rochester, New York, on the tropical shores of Lake Ontario. <laughs> um, and uh, we help client businesses uh, build, launch, and scale client acquisition systems, primarily using paid ads, um, primarily using Facebook. Uh, advertising. And so we help uh, client business owners build those systems. So what, tell me a bit about kind of what... I'm always trying to get... I'm curious about what brought you down the path of getting to what you're doing now, which is a very webinar-focused approach towards, I guess, qualifying uh, prospects and getting them to come project leads. So tell me a bit about kind of like the, the back history that brought you from... Um, I guess, starting out as a, as a consultant to uh, a lot of the stuff you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. So I saw my first, what, I, what we call a growth engine in 2008. I was actually working in the golf business. Um, I grew up playing a lot of golf, a lot of competitive golf and was working down in Florida uh, in the golf business. And my roommate's dad came down from Rochester and he is a hair salon marketing consultant. So he has a really specific niche. Very niche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he makes a killing. Um, and he, he flipped up his laptop and showed me uh, with mathematical precision how they were acquiring three to four new clients a week uh, at that time using AdWords and using paid advertising, okay. uh, using direct response uh, strategies and tactics for doing that. Uh, and I was hooked. I closed up shop in the golf business, moved home, got married, got into the marketing business uh, and proceeded to become a consultant, become a freelancer on my own and tried to figure it out uh, mm -hmm. for a few years. And it wasn't until uh, I did some academic research on the development of trust online. And so how do you earn someone's trust when you're communicating through a computer, right? Computer-mediated communication is like the, the geeky academic term for that. Um, and so it turns out it's a really hard thing to do because we naturally understand that we're not getting all of the inputs when we're communicating with someone through a computer. So we're naturally skeptical. And it's a lot harder for us to trust someone. Uh, and so I studied the specific signals that someone needs to get to uh, determine whether or not they can actually trust this source enough to transact, right? And so once I did that research, I sort of established those, those pillars uh, along with the paid acquisition growth engine, put those two pieces together and, and started to build the growth engine and how to acquire clients uh, through that model. So that stuff fascinates me. It's just the whole idea of what, what kind of surplus of trust is 
required in order to get somebody to transact. And I always think of a transaction as being, I mean, opting into a webinar is a transaction, right? Um, buying is, is obviously a transaction. Joining an email list is a transaction. You know, I'm really, I, I could probably geek out with you for a while on just that kind of academic research you've done around that. But what were, what were kind of the, okay, so you were, you were doing this in Florida from, I guess, your dorm room, right? Like at first um, with your, I guess, would that have been, I guess, your first business, um, what you were doing in Florida? It was, yeah. So I, I moved home, became a freelancer um, and started working with clients. Okay. So you moved home to New York um, and then you started to incorporate a lot of, I guess, what a lot of the stuff you had learned academically and kind of merged that a bit with the success you'd seen from your roommate's dad to kind of set you down this path, it sounds. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And what, um, what, what, I'm, what I'm mostly interested in is why paid acquisition? So a lot of people, I think, are put off by paid ads because you know, for software, you're needing to spend money in order to get leads. And it seems like you know, we could probably talk a bit about the difference between something like AdWords, which is more intent-based, and you know, maybe Facebook ads, which is more targeted, I guess, right? Not profile-based. Right? Yeah, profile. yeah, that's probably the best way of putting it. Um, what, like, did you immediately jump into kind of the, the system, the funnel, the, I guess what you would call the growth engine that you're, the, the model you're using now, or was that kind of like a work in progress? Like, I guess what I'm getting at is did your roommate's dad, when he was doing AdWords campaigns, was he also funneling people down to a webinar and everything? And is that where you got that model from? Or was this sort of a work in progress? No, it was definitely a work in progress. And like, this is only a strategy that I think could have worked in 2008. He was actually asking for an opt-in and then immediately sending people to a long-form sales letter. And that, and that worked. Yeah. Um, he eventually evolved into webinars, of course. Um, okay. But at that time, that worked. And it was not a fast process for me to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember at that time, Facebook ads were brand new. Uh, and I realized that he was not running Facebook ads. So I convinced him to cut me an affiliate deal uh, on his program and threw up Facebook ads. And I tried the same thing. And I somehow got lucky and made a sale and got him a client, but it was completely not repeatable after that. Uh, and so that was sort of what initially told me that there's something here, right? Like, obviously, there's people pouring a lot of money into paid advertising. Obviously, it can be profitable. And so what is it that... What are the pieces? What are the components in between the ad and the sale that need to be there? Okay. To close so let, let's deconstruct that a bit. So the, the sale being, for you, the, the ultimate... The, I guess the first sale is... Uh, or the first real heavier transaction is is what a consultation that you offer people? It depends where you want to, how, how micro action you want to get. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm looking forward uh, for from you is um, specifically, so you have something that makes you money, which is consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's steps that need to be accomplished prior to somebody being willing to pay you. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, one the first step is probably just to click the ad that they see in front of them, say mm-hmm. on Facebook. The next step is to, it sounds like probably opt into a webinar, right? So to, um, you know, to say, I'm willing to give Kev, this guy don't really know X, you know, an hour of my time or 30 minutes of my time or whatever it might be. Right. Um, so they book that way. That's like the next kind of transaction. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and we'll probably explore this a bit more, but I assume from that you have some sort of pitch at the end of the webinar, which then gets them to go down to the next phase. Is that all pretty... In line with That's what? exactly it. That's exactly it. So it's it's from ad to landing page, uh, which is a webinar registration, and then it's 
to get them to consume the webinar, watch the webinar, make sure the systems are in place that they actually uh, show up okay. and consume it. Okay. And then from there, the, the call to action is uh, a call to hop on the line and have a conversation about the next steps. Right. Okay. So you're basically using the webinar as a qualifying tool, but it also kind of sets the tone, gets them to hear your voice, see potentially your face if you're doing video, um, and kind of get familiar with what it is your, your, or at least your frame of mind and your philosophy when it comes to this stuff. And then, um, again, we could, we could go really deep down this rabbit hole and I'd like to, um, but the webinar itself is the goal to, I mean, I've seen different models, one of which is more of the story arc model where you talk about, uh, where it's more case study driven. The other is more of a, uh, here's a high level overview of a system or a, a framework that you should be implementing. And the call to action is, I can help you implement that directly. What, what kind of model are you using uh, for your webinars? Sure. So what we do is we really want to uh, redirect the existing thought sequence okay. of our prospect, right? So somebody opts into the webinar. Uh, there's, of course, a lot of trust elements. There's a lot of credibility building. There's a lot of stories, right? We're building our brand. We're, under, we're explaining who we are, a little background. We're humanizing ourselves okay. uh, within that process. And then we introduce four or five ideas, right? And they're really four or five like shifts in the way you should be looking at the world. You You're changing be... their mindset is what... Right, exactly. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right, that, that kind of goes back into like our theory behind what we're doing is everybody has an existing thought sequence, right? They have an existing way that they think about a current problem, a current situation. They see their business in a certain way. And so what we want to do is insert new ideas that redirect that thought sequence so they can feel what it feels like to have a new opportunity, right? A newfound light of like, oh, this is like a brand new way to be looking at this. And then when they have that feeling, right? They have the dopamine rush and they have the excitement that comes with that. It's connected to our solution, right? Because we've helped them find that new discovery and that new opportunity for them. So the webinar kind of redirects them in the right direction and the, the, the offer is effectively to help them get from here to there. Right, absolutely. And the offer definitely qualifies um, the leads, right? So it's our first sort of filtration point of if, if this is something that you're excited about, this is something that you really want to implement in your business and you're uh, committed to using these pieces, we'd love to talk to you, right? Okay. If you're not, we're happy to have, have shared some really good information with you, but this really isn't, you know, the next step isn't a good fit for you. Now, this is a live webinar, not evergreen? So we do, I, I call it on demand. So it's on demand, stops at the top, starts at the top of every hour. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, so for those listening, um, what that means is that it's not a register and start watching immediately. It's one of these, they're not live per se, but they are live in the sense that they're hourly, which, you know, that it, it makes it a little more like, you know, a live event, but without it being, you know, Kevin needing to be up at 9 p.m. on a Friday night to make it. To Correct. Make, yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it, we're, definitely, we're definitely seeing a trend in the adoption of on-demand. And I don't think there's even a need anymore to replicate it being live. Like I think that there's definitely can be an element of transparency that it's it's recorded. This is on demand for your convenience. And I, I think that's typically appreciated because sometimes you'll see people who very much act as if it is live and they're like, oh, you know, say into the chat where you're from. And I know yeah. some tools will even in a way aggregate existing chat data and populate it with almost like ghosting of, of right previous webinars. So it looks like there's other people, but it could be just you. And yeah, then you're not, you're not fooling anybody. Right, exactly. And then, I mean, granted, some people have enough demand 
with their uh, on-demand webinars that they are able to even staff like a VA to be in there to answer any questions that might come up or whatever else. So there's a lot of different things that you could do. But I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, do you think it's better for the, the average, say, solo consultant who doesn't have a lot of experience with webinars or whatnot to start with live or should maybe on-demand be their first step? Sure. So there's a couple different things to consider, right? It definitely depends on what is best for you, right? Mm -hmm. So starting with a live webinar has its benefits. The benefits of that are your energy is likely going to be better because you're live, you're on, right? But the possible pitfall is that if you don't have a large audience that can be there, that might actually work against you, right? It may demore, right? hurt your energy because you say, oh, there's only one or two people. There's not even anybody on this. Webinar for one. Right. Yeah. And that's actually going like, to hurt your energy <laughs> and work the opposite direction, right? right? What I typically recommend is starting with on-demand because you can record it, uh -huh. right? You can get amped up. Like I'm really good at doing like my pre-webinar routine of like doing jumping jacks and push-ups and all that fun stuff, right? And you can right. get amped up and do it. And it's not live, so you can do as many run-throughs as you need to do that. Yeah. And I've seen some people also who... I mean, you can go way down the rabbit hole, and it probably doesn't make much sense to go down this rabbit hole, but where they've done things like um, they have different buffer beginnings, depending on like if it's Friday or Monday or whatnot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I'm of the opinion, and I think you are too, where just be honest and don't, don't act like this is happening right here, right now. Um, because it doesn't like you're right. It doesn't really make much sense for the viewer. They want the content. They don't really care as much. I think the reason they might care about it being live is usually for people who want question and answer time or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're presenting, like you said, on helping them change mindsets, it's really just a more featured blog post or something, right? Yeah, I think you hit on that. Those are definitely some of the benefits of live, right? So engagement is typically better. It's more beneficial. You can also uh, incorporate an element of um, scarcity, right? Mm -hmm. Having a deadline, having those pieces, um, whereas you don't necessarily have those opportunities on, on right. demand. Right. But consumption, we found consumption is much better on demand. Okay. So people are much more likely to actually watch the webinar and complete it uh, on demand. And what, what software are you using? For your webinars? I am using EasyWebinar. EasyWebinar. Okay, cool. So people register for these hourly uh, webinars. You're driving people, I assume, uh, from the ad to a landing page for the webinar where they're able to um, choose you know, which upcoming webinar they want to register for. Um, tell me a bit about kind of the, ad, the typical life cycle of a, somebody who attends a webinar. So they're on, what are you doing just Facebook or are you doing other forms of marketing? Just Facebook. Okay. So just Facebook, I have paid acquisition activities on Facebook. We also have organic things that we do. So we have a group, we have our okay. Okay. other groups, things like that. Tell me a bit about targeting. So I assume you're doing cold. What, um, what have you found? Because I've had actually really poor luck with cold targeting typically. I don't know enough about the right way to do it. So I'd love to hear anything you've got on totally. how to make that work. Um, but who specifically are you targeting? And... I assume you're constantly revising the audiences you're promoting to and so on. But what does that cycle, what does that process typically look like for you? Sure. So in terms of targeting, it's definitely in your favor as the advertiser mm -hmm. to work with Facebook and let Facebook's technology work for you, right? So Facebook's algorithm will help you optimize 
the delivery of your ad, right? If you can provide Facebook with some, some data, right? So right. Facebook has custom audiences where you can upload email databases and then Facebook will uh, look at that database and within that audience, create what's called a lookalike. Lookalike, right? right. They'll give you they'll give you one or two million uh, other people on Facebook who fit the profile of those people on your email list. Okay. And then, absolutely as a starting point, I always recommend starting with just a wide open lookalike, mm-hmm. right? and let Facebook's algorithm do its job within there to identify who is most likely to convert through your ad, right? And so that's always that's always the starting point for any new campaign that we we create. That's always what I recommend. Uh, my clients do uh, when they start their Facebook ad campaign. Now, what about when you didn't have any list to seed the uh, lookalike audiences? How did, how would that, what would be the best approach there? Totally. So it's worth noting that once you get about a hundred email addresses, definitely switch over to a custom audience, right? Even even, even if you have a list that small, Uh definitely go to that as a starting point to get you to that point where you have a hundred people who have opted in. Sure. You can, you can look at, publications, you can look at other communities, other Facebook pages that are relevant to your market. And you can use those as targeting parameters when you're building the ad, right? So if I wanted to target Brennan Dunn's audience, I can actually put in your page and target people that Facebook assumes like Brennan. But that's not every page, right? Because I've had issues where it seems only really big pages or so on qualify for that or is that not true? Correct. So ideally what you're doing is you're putting together a long list, right? You want to have as many different inputs and parameters as possible within there, right? And you can definitely uh, add additional layers of complexity within that. So you can target pages, you can target interests, you can target income level, education level, marital status, all of those pieces. Right. Uh, and you can layer them on top of each other and get really, really specific. Yeah. And what, um, so I've seen, for instance, people who, um, it seems like a lot of people now where instead of going directly for say the kill with like a, uh, an email opt-in registration type thing, um, they're instead doing something like promoting a blog post with really no call to action or something. And then they're retargeting people who read that or clicked on that or even viewed a video or something. Is that, have you tried that or are you going directly to the webinar alone? So we have tried that. Um, I have yet to, gather data that justifies us continuing to do that, yeah. right? It's a good strategy, uh-huh. but once you have a database and you can give that to Facebook and they can build a look- lookalike and their algorithm can work that lookalike and find who's going to opt in, we find time after again uh, that that's, that's what converts the best for us. Okay. Um, now, after that, after that initial ad, right? So if somebody clicks the ad and doesn't opt into the, the landing page, there's definitely additional layers of retargeting that you can bake in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've, it's, it's funny because this is something that I've put a pause over the last year or so to paid acquisition, but I'm now I'm using this in a ways of like free consult for me, <laughs> but, um, cause it's fascinating. Cause I think like a lot of people, they, well, I, I'd, I'd argue two things. First off, people try too hard to go in for the sale, right? So they might run ads for their marketing site. And with really, there's say it's a consultant, right? You go to the marketing site and there's a services page, maybe a portfolio page and so on, but there's really not a squeeze page, right? In the sense of a email opt-in to register for a webinar. That's probably the only thing you can do on that page is register for the webinar. So that's the mistake I've seen people make. And the other mistake, and I'd like to hear your thoughts next on this, is um, they don't really know what they should be spending. 
So I think like the thing that's helped my own business is I've gotten fairly good at quantifying the value of people who enter different funnels. So, you know, working backwards with you, you could probably assume, well, if your average client spends say $10,000 on you and you're getting uh, one out of 20 people who go attend a webinar viewers becoming a client, let's say, right. Then I assume that would mean that a uh, webinar attendee is worth 500 or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you have these numbers and you can say, well, it takes, a hundred page views of our webinar registration form, and this is probably wildly inaccurate, but just for you know illustration's sake, uh, <laughs> takes a hundred pages to get one person to uh, to opt in to join the webinar. Well, that means a page view is five dollars. So if I can get people to that page for two dollars, great. We've got a really nice flywheel system that, as long as those numbers hold, then this will keep working, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, is that something that is that like a process that you've gone through with trying to figure out, well, what is the value of an attendee of a webinar? How do I optimize the conversion rates, I guess, of people who attend the webinar into doing the console call? What kind of what percentage of consults become sold clients and stuff? I mean, what did, what did that look like for you trying to come up with all those different data points and acting on them? Sure. So I think one of the things you just hit on and your, your rundown is absolutely correct and the, the way paid advertising is broken down with all those data points and I think what you hit on there is that's that's why paid advertising should be in your mix is because right. you can, you can break it down like that yeah. but a lot of people they just throw money at facebook and have no idea what right. yeah absolutely right and that that goes into the idea of like you're optimizing a thought sequence all of these all of these points that you're optimizing for is ultimately a thought sequence it's right. like how do i how do i understand what this person thinks at this phase of the funnel and how do i accelerate that or progress them uh, further into the funnel to do that, right? And so it definitely takes iteration, right? It definitely takes a lot of tweaking. Uh, I think uh, starting simple and building in complexity later mm-hmm. is definitely the way to go, right? And so on the, on the targeting uh, topic, right? Starting really simple, creating a custom audience or look like audience, or maybe even just interest targeting to start and keep it simple. Don't go uh, too far into the weeds and get lost there, right? Yeah. Keep it simple. Build all of the pieces so you have like the you have the beginning pieces of this machine, right? That you can then look at it, and you're undoubtedly going to have um, ideas and opportunities that you're going to see for optimization mm-hmm. through that. And then that whole optimization process becomes a matter of prioritization, uh, right? We have like a whole framework that we use where we're evaluating, right? Which optimization do we think we should use next? Right? We have a framework called uh, SIPs. So we look at the simplicity, the potential impact, the probability, and the speed which with this optimization can be implemented. And then we score it. So we have, say, we have 10 ideas, 10 opportunities to improve different points in that machine, we score each for those four criteria and then we prioritize and go, okay, this is definitely our best opportunity. That's mm-hmm. the next piece we're going to build. That's the next improvement. That's the next tweak we're going to make uh, because we have objectively looked at all of the machine and understood what, what our best next action is. We were able to that. figure out exactly what's the minimal, what, what minimal amount of effort will have the biggest yield, assuming that the experiment is correct. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, again, that's where things get really fun. When you can start saying, well, you know, if I optimize the webinar landing page to opt-in rate and increase that by a certain percent, everything down funnel just gets amplified. And yeah, that's a very, that's a very good position to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, How much management goes into this? 
I mean, are you needing to refine your targeting much? Are you needing to ever tweak much of the pre-recorded webinar? Are you needing to do anything? And I haven't even asked it, and I do want to ask about this. I assume that you have some sort of maybe email follow-up that for those who did attend the webinar but didn't book the consult, um, that hopefully brings them back to book. What kind of ongoing... Because I think the, the frustration a lot of people have had with paid acquisition is that it might work out of the gate, but then you know a week or two into it, you need to start to modify. It's not as easy as it being just a set it and forget it sort of system, which is, I think, what a lot of us want. Are you finding yourself needing to manage this much, or is it pretty turnkey? So you definitely want to manage it. You definitely want to set up a regular cadence where you're keeping an eye on it, right? And how, how regularly you check on it, what your cadence is, is it dependent on your budget, right? So if you have a smaller budget, you can... Uh, afford to give it a little bit more time. If you have a, a bigger budget, maybe it's daily, maybe it's every other day, right? Based on what your budget size is. And I think the the idea of paid advertising working really well right now, and perhaps the, the results dip off, is that might even be a, a philosophical consideration that it really should also be considered a long-term strategy, mm-hmm. right? And so though you're running paid acquisition, people are opting in for a webinar, uh, and you have immediate right seven to fourteen day performance of that webinar. You also have people in your world. You now have an opportunity to nurture them, add value, right, build your brand, and do that. Right, so that's definitely a component to understand and to consider. Well, that's that's uh, I was going to add that the the nice the really nice thing about this is even though you have a very intentional front loaded funnel where you get people in the webinar and hopefully get them onto a consult and convert them quickly, you know, if somebody doesn't have the budget or they're overloaded or whatnot, and they don't act during that window, but then six months down the road, they end up paying you five grand. I mean, that increases the cohort value of that, you know, the people from six months before who clicked on that that ad because they they converted later down the path. Now, the downside there is, and this is something that is also fun to talk about, is um, if you're recouping your acquisition costs above 30 days out, then the issue becomes, you know, if, if American Express wants you to pay your bill monthly and you're using your American Express to pay for your Facebook ad spend, um, the ideal is to recoup your acquisition costs within that window, right? So mm-hmm. you can ideally or potentially almost infinitely scale, um, which is why a lot of, for instance, software companies push annual pricing. It's more of a, yeah, they're losing, say, two months of revenue from you, but... The idea is, well, if it costs me $500 to get you and an annual plan is $700, then I can just you know, infinitely scale acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that might be out of the pay grade of this episode to really riff on too much, but it's something to still, I think, uh, think about. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I think consultants, especially selling a higher ticket service, have an advantage in that game. Right. So I've done work with... Uh, financial publishers, right? One of the biggest financial publishers in the world. I've worked with one of the software companies there. And they sell low-ticket newsletters and research reports uh, to their, their membership, to their subscriber base, and they run paid ads. And they, they're absolutely looking at like 60, 90 to 180 day payback on their paid advertising. Right. right? Because they're selling a $47 product. Consultants, yeah. we're not selling a $47 product, right? Like your, your core offer is going to be three to 10 grand. So that immediately gives you an advantage, right? If you can earn someone's trust at a rapid pace and do that, that gives you an advantage and allows you to recoup your ad spend much quicker. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, you're right in that. I mean, my first exposure really to paid acquisition was I was running ads on behalf of a mortgage broker. 
who his commission was three, $4,000 for a house closing. And he split the revenue with me that he, or he split the profit that he made off, off of it with me. And, but we were spending what seemed insane. I mean, we were spending hundreds of hundreds of dollars to get a lead. But when I started to see the value of a lead for me was say $1,500 or $2,000, depending, I suddenly became very okay with that. <laughs> you know, And that's where you see when it seems on, on paper, for instance, when you look at what, say, services for companies like um, you know, uh, financing companies and so on are willing to pay for a qualified lead, sometimes it's in the, the hundreds of dollars. Well, when you start to see how... I don't think a lot of consultants or, or freelancers think too much about acquisition cost. Because if you're just getting referrals or you're just going to marketplaces or something, you don't really... There, there is no actual acquisition cost. Whereas once you start doing paid acquisition, then obviously you're, you're paying for leads. And then it becomes a big deal to make sure that the profit you make per lead outweighs the, um, the cost, right? I think if anything, the good thing about this is it started... Because I've asked a lot of um, freelancers on my list to tell me the value for a... You know, what, what's your average value per lead? You know, mm-hmm. ask something like that. A lot, of, a lot of them haven't gone through the exercise of figuring that out. And the good thing about this is done right. It, it kind of forces you to do that because you need to know that somebody clicking on a link from that Facebook you know, sends over to you, that the money you make off that click outweighs the cost you spent to get that click, right? Mm-hmm. So it becomes a, a big math game, which I think is really fun. But <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it is a lot of fun. And that's also why like, managing expectations out of the gate understanding that perhaps somebody else's benchmark is not your benchmark, right? Their baseline is not your baseline. Uh, managing expectations, building something simple out of the gate is really the best way to start, right? So you don't, you don't make any harmful decisions to turn off paid advertising because, oh, I'm paying $100 for a lead and I can get referrals for free, when in fact, that $100 lead may actually be more profitable and more beneficial to your business. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I could, I could probably continue this discussion for hours just because I, I love this sort of stuff. But I guess, I guess one thing I'd like to close with is assuming that somebody's listening who has never done any sort of... They don't have a growth engine in place, right? Their client acquisition strategy is largely reactive. It's waiting for somebody to reach out to them. It's waiting for a referral to come their way or a past client to come back for more. What do you think is... A, like If you were starting from scratch, what would be what would be like the minimum effort thing you could do that would get your feet wet in the world of systematic paid acquisition leading to, you know, booking or not booking, but generating qualified project leads. Like what would you do starting over zero audience, zero feeding of any, uh, you know, custom audience to build a look like audience alpha. Mm -hmm. What would, what would that, like, what would be the minimal path results that you could come up with? Sure. And it's funny because the path to getting to paid advertising has nothing to do with paid advertising at the start, right? So it's, it's building the webinar, it's building the funnel, right? So building the webinar with the call to action to a sales call, and then pounding the pavement and getting people into that webinar, right? Facebook has, we have an opportunity to reach people and connect with people in, a, in an organic way like never before. And so start making those connections and start taking advantage of Facebook organically reaching out to people using Facebook Messenger, having conversations with people, validating that webinar, validating your sales calls. And then once you have those pieces done, once you have those pieces in place, then go to paid advertising. Now you know that you've validated that 
growth engine, you validated those pieces, then you can go to paid ads. And I think that's, that's the step that a lot of people miss, right? I have a lot of sales calls where people hop on the phone and they, they just want paid, paid ads to magically scale their business, <laughs> right? And I always say like, paid ads don't scale your business. Paid ads leverage the scale you've already designed in your business. Well, I think the big thing for me at least has been to realize that you really need to, say you have a paid offering, you need to realize that a paid ad is going to be pretty much ineffective, especially in a cold audience, to sell directly a paid offering. So you need to come up with an intermediary offering, right? That's basically, say, the webinar or you know some free thing that you're selling in exchange for time and probably an email address. Um, and realizing that that's the first sale you need to make. And then the consultation, for instance, is really an upsell from the webinar, right? So mm-hmm. now you're saying... Uh, okay, you already gave me 30 minutes or an hour of your time for this webinar. Here's a 15-minute consultation or something that I mean, maybe are you doing free consultations or are you charging? So we're doing we're doing free 45-minute okay. consultations. Okay. And then the I mean that's just a way to kind of that's effectively a sales call. And then from there, that I assume is when you then upsell um you know, the full-blown engagement. We also have uh, an application in between the webinar and the sales call. So that's another oh nice. Okay. To so you don't, you don't allow anyone just to get on your calendar. Right. And the nice thing is that it's assuming you're using say automation to glue all this together. You're like, I was talking to Josh previously about your concern is just top of funnel. Um, you know, you just focus on getting more qualified leads into the top of that funnel and everything downstream from there is pretty much in place. You just show up for the console calls, um, which is a really nice position to be in. Right. Yeah. It allows you to start thinking like a CEO. It allows you to start thinking like a business owner because you have leads because you have sales flowing in. Now you're much more comfortable hiring someone to help you on the delivery, right? You're much more comfortable building a team to do that because you know you have deal flow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So best place for people to find out more about you is uh, growthbox.com. That's B-O-K-S.com. Any other place people should go to reach out to you and, and learn more about what you're offering? Sure. So growthbox.com is definitely the best place. Uh, I'm also really active on Facebook. We have a, a free private community there of other uh, client business owners who are building scalable systems uh, over on Facebook there. Cool. And people would search for what? Just growthbox on Facebook? Search growth engine entrepreneurs is the name of the growth group. Growth engine entrepreneurs. Cool. Awesome. Well, Kev, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Brian. appreciate it. You've been listening to the first season of the Double Your Freelancing Podcast. To download the book that we've put together that covers everything that we've discussed, all the resources we've linked to, and actionable takeaways from this season, head on over to doubleyourfreelancing.com slash season one and download it for free.